Welcome to Clearly Quaker, an ongoing series of podcasts by Salem Quarterly Meeting, part of the Religious Society of Friends. Salem Quarterly Meeting is an association of seven Southern New Jersey Quaker meetings within Philadelphia Yearly Meeting. The second part of the Salem Quarterly Meeting's program toward equal justice, freedom, and reform introduced Justin Lockery, Esquire, criminal defense and civil rights attorney, a member of Haddonfield Friends Meeting. He spoke on the state of the criminal justice system in New Jersey. Hi, uh, thanks Thanks very much all of you for coming. I, I don't know how big this meeting is or how large the catchment is, but the fact that you are here at two o'clock on a Sunday afternoon after maybe many of you being here for a number of hours is really impressive. Um, I'm not sure how many uh, pearls of wisdom I really have about the system. I've been practicing criminal defense law in New Jersey since 1985 uh, as a public defender and as a private lawyer. Um, I've seen a lot of heroism and a lot of great moments in the criminal justice system and I have seen a lot of horror. I've seen a lot of demonization. I've seen a lot of suffering. Uh, on the part of not just defendants, by the way, and their families, but of course of those who are victimized. Um, I want to just talk for a couple minutes about what I think might be a kind of a Quaker orientation, if you will, towards uh, a system that is necessarily flawed as all of us are. It's a humanly constructed system, and as I said, there are moments of, of grace and, uh, and beauty and also moments of horror and evil, but how to be in that system and what orientation to take. And I'm going to talk about a couple of Quaker projects or efforts that are contemporary, that are happening now even as we, you know, as we sit here today together. Uh, let me start by uh, telling a story I've told once or twice. If there's anybody here who's heard it, I apologize. Um, a number of years ago, I was asked to speak at a seminar. It was actually part of a year-long training program for a group called Leadership New Jersey, an excellent project from what I, I know of it. My wife happened to be participating that year. It was a, a, an attempt to get people from various walks of life who were uh, oftentimes sort of young or in the middle years of their, of their work lives, of their careers, both from public service organizations, from companies, from banks, various societal institutions, get them together to tackle the, the question of studying a variety of social problems in institutions across the state of New Jersey. And um, the, the, the week that I was asked to come in and speak for a few minutes was the, was the week or the month that they were looking at the criminal justice System. And I think most of that week had consisted of meeting with people from the Attorney General's office and from a variety of universities and then going actually into the Department of Corrections and visiting prisons, which I thought was a wonderful thing that they had done. Uh, but they kind of gotten a very institutionalized, I would suggest, slant on things. And so I think either for perspective or maybe for comic relief, they asked a criminal defense lawyer uh, to come in the last day when they were having sort of a luncheon and a breakup session to give a, maybe a slightly different perspective on 
on what they've been thinking and seeing and hearing. And this was a pretty prosperous, uh, well-educated group of folks, a uh, very impressive group. Anyway, so it was my turn to speak, and uh, I made some comments about uh, maybe compassion uh, for those who were caught up in the system. And there was a fellow down the back who uh, had a quick question, almost an intervention, an interruption, said that they had been at Trenton, what they used to call Trenton State Prison, uh, that week, the day before, and they'd met with a lot of uh, fairly young uh, inmates. And they were uh, folks who were convicted of really the most serious crimes. Because you don't go to Trenton State. Uh, I'm looking over at Jennifer McRae. I'm sure she knows. You don't go to Trenton State with a three-year sentence or a five-year sentence, probably a 20-year sentence and up. So, and it's probably the most difficult prison environment uh, from what I hear from those I speak with and the places that I've visited. Most difficult environment in the state. Anyway, this fellow was really upset at the fact that these, a lot of these young people he was meeting, these young men, it was all, all men, seemed to have no remorse whatsoever, not accepting responsibility for what they had done. He was very, very judgmental and very critical of them and was uh, kind of critical at me for expressing any kind of uh, compassion or sympathy for them. And it, it, it changed my orientation during that little presentation. And I, I said, you know, um, I'm hearing a kind of us versus them. Dynamic here in this question and answer we're getting into. Um, that we are on one side of this divide and they are on the other. And I said, you know, I'm looking across this room and I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that a principal difference between those people who are in prison and the people who are in this wonderful little room with this nice spread is that um, some people commit crimes and they're caught, and lots of people commit crimes and they're not. And I said, I bet you that most of the people in this room. And here's probably where I stubbed my toe. So most of the people in this room have probably committed crimes. I thought I was going to have a plate thrown at me. <laughs> or maybe a bunch of plates. What do you mean? Moment of silence. And I said, well, who knows what the FAFSA application is? It's this uh, massive application you have to fill out to get federal financial aid for your, your son or your daughter, a young person in your family. And uh, you, know, you hear these stories all the time about people who aren't 100% honest about the assets and the resources that they have available to fund that education. And they get more financial aid than people who maybe are more honest on those forms. So how about the mortgage application where it says right there on the application for mortgage financing to get your house, is any part of this down payment, this earnest money that you're going to place, is any part of that borrowed? And of course, you check off no, because you're not going to get the loan if you check off yes. And yet, people have loaned money to their children, their nephews, their nieces, and they've gone in there with borrowed money, and they have misrepresented, maybe not to a great extent, but they've misrepresented what their um, picture is, and they get the loan, and that's a federal crime. And how about those who are in business, and they uh, are, have to give out some subcontracts or what have you, and they uh, get a nice, plush, plush sort of dinner uh, from the, the sales rep from the company that is vying for the business that this executive has to hand out. And that's called commercial bribery. And that's a crime under New Jersey law as well as federal law. And as I went down the list, the room got quieter and quieter. <laughs> and one fellow finally said, I can't believe that, that, that you, this thing you just said about commercial bribery, I can't believe that that's a crime. I said, well, there you go. 
Now, I'm not saying there's a moral equivalence between these scenarios that I've just mentioned and someone who sticks up a bank with a loaded revolver or does some kind of horrible mayhem. But I think it's worth thinking about that in some fundamental respect, and I think this is what friends, what Quakers might bring to this discussion, in some fundamental way, we are all riven, we are all broken. And so rather than pity or feeling sorry or this kind of sentimental mushiness about um, coddling, I don't know, folks who, who are wrecking our communities with drug sales and all that, we could talk simply about compassion. And we could talk about non-demonization and trying to remember that people are not necessarily the sum of their worst acts and that there is a redemptive possibility. I hope. Sometimes I have more hope than faith in that, but that there is a redemptive possibility. I think that the two efforts I wanted to talk about a little bit, and I, I'd like to be able to say what I've just said to judges, to prosecutors, to everybody who's a player in the system. And in the same breath, by the way, I, I, I would say that when I teach law school occasionally and I have, teach a bunch of firebrand young law students who want to all become criminal defense lawyers and they all think the worst of prosecutors, I say, no, they're human beings too. And they have jobs to do. <laughs> they have responsibilities, different ones than yours, and many of them, most of them, are doing the very best they can remember that. And I'm not just saying that because Ms. McCray is here today. She, her first assistant is someone I have uh, been so fond of for years, Harold Shapiro, uh, who was a public defender, a federal public defender, and you were. And uh, that's right, you were too. So I'm not just pandering, maybe a little bit, but I'm really not pandering. <laughs> but just to say that, uh, and, the, and the guys and the, and the women with the black robes on, who oftentimes people on my side of the aisle denounce so much, you know, they're human beings too. And they operate under a lot of pressures. They're afraid if they let someone out and not detaining them, that's the person who will end up on the front page of the paper shooting someone. And then there's public relations hell to pay, so to speak. So everybody is operating under burdens, but I think we do need to bring a high degree of sort of compassion and attempt to understand in this system. And it's not just a question of revising our personal perspectives or ethics, but I think about what Dorothy Day used to say, the, the founder of the Catholic Worker. Uh, is that name familiar to some people in this room? Yes. You know, she was a great Christian interpersonalist and an anarchist, and she absolutely had this ethic of trying to see the best in everyone and try to see the brokenness, but also the, that of, of God in everyone. But she would also say, we need a world in which it is easier to be good. And what she meant, I think, was that we have to have better policies and structures and programs, not just one person to another person, not just the anecdotal, but really the systematic effort at goodness. Um, two things. Uh, in my meeting, uh, in Haddonfield uh, monthly meeting, uh, a few years ago, uh, after several of us um, spent a very long time supporting and representing and defending uh, an extremely unpopular defendant um, who was unjustly accused of something, and we spent almost a year of our lives uh, developing his defense and, and, and getting him, extricating him from a horrendous trial. Um, we began uh, Friends Transition Support Services, which was really an attempt to have a project that would help with prisoner reentry issues. People coming out of prison, into the community, what could we do? What kinds of efforts could we make? What kind of resources could we assemble? What kind of advice and counseling and support could we give? 
in whatever small ways we could. And what that's uh, morphed into, so to speak, is something called the Garden Project. Now, some of you may have heard of this. This is a, there was a small Quaker meeting house in Camden, in downtown Camden, of all places. Um, there are six members of that meeting and a few attenders. It is a valiant, intrepid group, I would say. I always compliment them for trying to make um, their presence known in the city of Camden. They have a nice big lot around the place and is a, a garden, and it's now a community garden. And a few years ago, maybe 10 years ago, some very forward-thinking people who are part of our friends meeting or Medford meeting as well um, decided to try to start a garden project where we would hook up with uh, prison inmates who are now at a halfway house in Camden called Garrett House. They're Department of Corrections inmates, and they, would, uh, they have some opportunities to do community service. And we thought, well, why don't they come down to our meeting on a Saturday if we can persuade the Department of Corrections to allow it? Come on down, spend four or five hours with us, have lunch, work a little bit in the garden, um, have an educational program or two, and just be human beings one with another. Um, and so this, this has gone on, I'm not going to say every Saturday, but many Saturdays each month for almost 10 years now. And we've had waves of uh, female inmates, if you will, residents of Garrett House who are still in Department of Corrections custody come down and spend time with us. And we've had some wonderful sharing and uh, companionship, fellowship, sistership. Um, lots of people have graduated from that halfway house program and they've graduated from our garden project program. Some of them come back many times. We have holiday dinners and so forth. And what we simply do is we try to get to know folks. Nobody talks about what you're in for, what your charges were and all that. It is simply an attempt to treat folks really on the same plane that we would want to be treated. And that's the kind of comment that we get from folks. Um, I, have, I actually have a copy of a flyer that we send out occasionally for fundraising issues. This is a quote from one of the folks that participated in our program, one of the women. The Garden Project is a place I can come on Saturdays and forget about everything that week and be treated like a human being, not judged. That means so much to us. Um, we, it, this is based on a belief that there is that of God in every person, and if we can find a way to connect with that and appeal with that, um, we can make grace, we can make the good happen, not just for them, but for ourselves, because this helps to heal the broken places in us as well. Uh, so that's one effort. It's ongoing. Uh, I'm not here to make a pitch for it, but I will tell you that if you want to go onto the website of Haddonfield Meeting, you can find it at www.haddonfieldfriendsmeeting. What an original title. Haddonfieldfriendsmeeting.org. There'll be some stuff there about the Garden Project. And uh, you'll probably hear more from us in the next six months or so because we've been doing very well with fundraising, but we have to keep up our efforts. So we're going to be making the rounds. Um, that's one thing. Another project that I'm involved in personally, which is not as activist as that garden project, but in some ways is just as important, I think, at least psychologically, is something called the Fund for Sufferings, which is a project or a group within Philadelphia Yearly Meeting. Um, it's a small committee, but we have kind of an endowment and some funds that have been raised and piled up and contributed from various sources. And what the Fund of Sufferings is, for Sufferings is all about is to have monies available to help support Quakers, mostly Quakers, occasionally a non-Quaker, uh, who is trying to live out a Quaker testimony and really suffering in their material lives, and usually also in their spiritual lives, for 
carrying out that commitment. Whether it's committing civil disobedience on a highly principled basis and then facing fines or bail issues uh, in Philadelphia in federal court or over here in New Jersey, not so much bail in the state courts now, but having fines to pay that they cannot pay because they, but they've taken some uh, action in a conscientious way in keeping with the Quaker peace testimony. Um, folks who uh, sat down in front of the federal courthouse at various junctures over the last several years protesting one turn of government policy or another and then had five and six hundred dollar fines to pay and some of them not in very good health, some of them quite elderly and really not having the money and so we would step in and offer to pay those fines. Um, we had a, a woman who was doing great work trying to uh, close a, a shooting facility, a, a, a the words fail me right now, but it was a facility that uh, really promoted the use and ownership of firearms in, in an urban area and uh, trying to help close that. It was, in a, it was in a neighborhood that was kind of beginning to really look like something in Philadelphia. Um, and they went and they launched a tremendous campaign and they actually ended up getting the place closed. Uh, this particular ad, ad, advocate uh, was uh, had medical problems and had to uh, uh, almost abandoned her work, her car broke down, and she needed a few thousand dollars to keep on doing the work. She couldn't pay for the car repairs, and so we stepped in, and we bought her a car. <laughs> so she could continue to go on circuit and get to these meetings and organize the community. It's just a couple of examples of the kinds of things we do. A year will go by, and there's no call for our services, no call for our help, but we are always there. Uh, there's about five or six of us on the committee now. We are always there to try to help uh, step up particularly folks who are wrestling with these issues of maybe having to go to jail. Um, I don't know if it really fits in with this program, but I was asked to talk about the Fund for Sufferings. And so I'll tell you that this is the kind of commitment that, from what I can see at least, the Society of Friends takes with the greatest of seriousness. Uh, and I hope, that, uh, I, I hope that these two examples, and they're, in some ways they're sensational uh, examples, but they're also quite humble. They require... Uh, Ongoing effort, attention, commitment. Um, the folks who, who run the garden project in Camden, they show up uh, each, each session. They do lots of work to make things right, to make things go right. It's the kind of presence in the community and presence to, to folks who are, who are hurting, who are suffering, that I think is really so close to the heart of who we are. So I think this is mostly a plea that we try to find more of those opportunities and that we do what we can to try to humanize uh, and end, let's say, the demonization that we find so often in places like the criminal justice system. Thank you for listening to Clearly Quaker. We hope you have found this podcast thought-provoking. If you have questions or comments or would like to learn more about South Jersey Quakers, reach us at Salem Quarter dot net